All right, glad you're with us. Uh, we have a busy, busy news day. Jay Sekulow, American Center for Law and Justice. They have now gotten their hands on new information yet again about the unmasking issues. It's amazing as we now watch the the issue of Executive Order 12333 and the email showing an in, intense, insane, actually, sense of urgency among deep state officials to change, in other words, the, the, the practices of raw intelligence, signal intelligence, that only three agencies would have. Well, then now we're going to share it with 17. Why? Their hopes, obviously, they didn't expect Donald Trump would win. They're trying to cover their tracks. They don't want leaks to be revealed. So the more people that have the raw intelligence in their view, the incoming administration, the less likely it's going to be that they are going to be able to identify who did what in terms of leaking, surveillance, unmasking, uh, leaking raw intelligence, and who was involved in the insurance policy. Now we have, we're getting beginning to get even more information. Remember, Executive Order 12333, 3 to 17. Agencies now share top secret, even in some cases, raw intelligence, just raw, raw intelligence. Now, we talked about that in early 2017. We talked about also the unmasking scandal in uh, 2016, and that is that why was there a 350% increase in 2016 in the unmasking of American citizens? Why would Samantha Power, a U.N. ambassador... Why would she be involved? It's, it's estimated as many as 300 unmasking requests. Why would she need to unmask anybody? Now, by the way, very strict rules as it relates to your government using the tools of intelligence that we entrust to them to protect us. And the overwhelming majority do. And they use them properly. But these tools are so powerful, you can't turn them on the American people, which we now know they did. And they did on a regular basis. We also now are pretty confident that, in fact, things that would be guilty for intelligence officials to do, uh, the type of work that would violate the civil rights of American citizens, uh, the type of thing that would destroy civil liberties, the type of thing that is illegal, appears to be now that it was outsourced to friendly countries. Some people call them the five eyes, but let's not go there. But the idea that if America it doesn't have the right to surveil an American citizen and you want to do it for pure political purposes, well, you just get your friends in Great Britain to do it, which probably happened. And Italy and Australia, that's a bad idea because what you're doing is you are, you know, subcontracting, if you will, illegal activities in America to circumvent American law and abusing the powers of the tools of intelligence. Well, we're now finding out that powers, the UN diplomat, the ambassador that she is, you know, inexplicably used to unmask hundreds of American names and in secret intelligence reports during the 2016 election. And also she engaged in similar Trump bashing in her Official government email, John Solomon breaking a story. This information coming, I guess, via FOIA request from the American Center for Law and Justice. I, I mean, it's it's mind numbing the things that she's saying and, you know, the, the positions that people take here. Uh, but they did. 
And, you know, powers now we we have the Freedom of Information Act requests. And, you know, she starts taking all these shots at Republicans using her email to connect Oscar Uris, an artistic director at the Public Theater in New York, and the uh, often uh, quoted think tank scholar Norm Orstein. And uh, Oscar, well, well, Norm will explain our political system in a way that will fleetingly make it seem rational, though maybe not after Trump and Sanders win in New Hampshire, predicting the future president and upstart Bernie Sanders would win the New Hampshire primary. Then Trump stuns the world. He wins the general election in spite of the, uh, the, the people at the highest levels within the FBI and Department of Justice, even the attorney general on the tarmac. I mean, there's no doubt what the Espionage Act is, and there's no doubt that she purposefully obstructed justice with the deletions and destruction of emails. That's called destroying the evidence with a real intent and a real underlying crime. Um, but this is now where we are. Why was there a 350% increase in unmasking? Why did they desperately need to get this new executive order done just prior to the Trump administration coming in, something they would never burden their own administration with? Again, that is now beginning to come out. You know, and you, you think about the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, or the Office of DNI, and the NSA, and the approval of Loretta Lynch. They want as much raw intelligence in the hands of as many inside the deep state as possible. And you think of the other powers that they have. I mean, it's, it's a frightening scenario. You know, when you unmask somebody, you got to remember, you know, intelligence gathering today... With the tools we have, and I believe we have the world's premier intelligence agencies. Nobody tops us. and But we have them. Now, we also have a constitution, rule of law, Miranda rights even. Although, forget it, if your name's General Flynn and you served your country for 33 years and fought in combat, don't worry, that they don't apply to you in any way. And you think of what this country stands for. And the idea that if an American is on the phone with somebody with, with maybe a business deal of a, from a foreign country and it's picked up by our intelligence very easily, every phone call can be listened to. That's the danger in all of this. Every email can be hacked, every single text message stolen. And by the way, there is meta, metadata stored. And some people have repeatedly to, told me that all of our text messages, all of our email, We've had them. We've interviewed them many times on the show. All of our phone calls are recorded. All of them are metadata stored. All of them put on clouds. You know, well, that gives power to destroy American citizens. But, of course, it destroys the constitutional republic that's supposed to protect those civil liberties and privacy. But Democrats talk, well, well, the right to privacy. Okay, I guess you're only talking about abortion in that sense, but... You know, when the process is going on where they pick up a phone call and an innocent American citizen is on it, our intelligence community has a procedure to deal with that. Now, if they need to continue to monitor the call because of who the American might be talking to, that's fine. But they would minimize what they listen to and what they hear. If they know of no nefarious intention of the American citizen, well, they would minimize that conversation they may write up a report historically they'd never identify them 
Well, why was there a 350% increase in unmasking then? Because at that point, you now know that there are nefarious activities going on. Then we know everything that happened with Hillary and the FISA, you know, debacle, you know, and, and it just begins to come into focus very quickly here, which is why the deep state is now in a deep state of crumble and panic, and they're all turning on each other. Now, I want to turn my attention to Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller does not want to testify before any committee. Robert Mueller had a near disaster when he came out and said, I'm done. I'm not going to say anything different. No more comments about what happened as it relates to my report. It will speak for itself. No reason to go to the committee. He doesn't want to go. And I think the reason he doesn't want to go is a lot different than what the news media is telling you. And that is that when you have guys like Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows and Ratcliffe and Gates and and Doug Collins on a, on a panel and well, they're not going to ask the questions that, you know, Jerry Nadler is going to be asking. They're going to ask the questions like, OK, when did you know that there was no collusion with Russia? At what point? And when you found out, why did you continue? You know, at what point? You know, you had a broad mandate to look at Russian interference. Well, Devin Nunes warned our country publicly. They warned the Biden-Obama administration privately that there would, in fact, be Russian interference in the 2016 election. They didn't lift a finger to stop it. Everybody in the media forgets Russia collusion happened on their watch. It wasn't on Donald Trump's watch. And they were warned about it repeatedly. And they didn't lift a finger to stop it. Well, that's their responsibility at that point. Tell Vladimir all more flexibility after the election. You know, that, I mean, that's what it comes down to for them. But I got other questions for them. You know, if the mandate, Mr. Mueller, allowed you to, you know, dig down deep and you, you went so wide, so deep, uh, yeah, nobody gets held accountable for a FARA violation. Didn't happen. He had time for that. He had time to look into the finances and taxi medallion issue with Cohen in New York. He had time to look into lying to the FBI. And he had time to look into tax issues, in some cases going back decades, and reopen that case. And then time to also, you know, get into loan applications. You know, remember in the Manafort case, it was Judge Ellis who said, well, we know why we're here. It has nothing to do with taxes. It has to do with, you know, let's not pretend here. You only were able to drag up these old charges on Manafort for one reason and one reason only. And that is that Paul Manafort, that you want to put the screws to him in the hopes that he sings or the hope that he composes. So then you can go after Donald Trump and maybe impeach or get rid of Donald Trump. We know why we're here. But with that said, then he presided over the trial, Manafort convicted, you know, I guess if there's a lesson in the Manafort cone cases, uh, as I have said many, many, many times, pay your taxes, don't lie on loan applications. And it's simple. Told this to my accountants for years. You know, I always thought I'd be targeted during the Obama years. Now nah, I only get audited in the Trump years, which is funny. Anyway, but there are a lot of other questions. Everyone on the Democratic side, you think this is going to be good for Adam Schiff and, and Jerry Nadler? It's not. 
you know, they're, they're Democrat. They're, they think this is great. You know, Maria Baratarova did a interview with the president and his interest in the line of questioning. You know, they got caught. They're running around going wild, doing all of these things, abusing power, spying on my campaign. Well, they didn't just spy on his campaign, but they spied on his transition. As he was then the president-elect, they spied on his presidency. And it was all based on Russian misinformation that is unverifiable, which is a key component to ever getting a FISA warrant. People were warned it's unverifiable. And that was the bulk of the information of all four FISA applications, the original and three subsequent renewals. They got caught. They're going wild to do everything they can. They spied on my campaign. Yeah, they did. And they used the the phony information, New York Times suggesting Russian misinformation the whole time, paid for by Hillary Clinton with funneled money through a law firm, Perkins Coie, hiring Fusion GPS, an op research firm, then hiring a foreign national. This is all what happened. And, you know, how is he going to explain away, Mueller, the people that he hired, only Democratic donors? How does he explain hiring Jeannie Ray, Hillary Clinton's attorney at the Clinton Foundation? Or Andrew Weissman, his pit bulls. They're not one Republican he could have found? I have a lot of questions I want to ask Robert Mueller. This is not going to go the way they're thinking it's going to go. I'm promising you that. Robert Mueller seemed befuddled when he gave that nine and a half minute rambling reading of whatever. Somebody wrote it. It didn't look like he wrote it. And then the attorney general, special counsel's office, had to put out a statement saying, oh, everything we just said uh, about not indicting the president. We didn't have the ability because of Justice Department policy and longstanding, you know, constitutional issues. It was a lie. That was not their determination. Well, that's not going to help the Democrats either. All right, Mr. Mueller, when did you know that there was no collusion with the Trump campaign in Russia? Why with such a broad mandate, why did you spend your time focused on Farrah violations, loan applications, taxi medallions, and decades-old tax returns? When did you know the questions were surrounding the dirty Russian dossier and why, if you're looking into Russian interference and your mandate was basically to see if there's Russian interference, would you ignore the biggest evidence to date, which was, uh uh-oh, a bought-and-paid-for Russian disinformation dossier why, why, why didn't you investigate that? The one that was used, one, to influence the American people, as we now know that Intel officials at the top leaked some of the information of the Washington Post and David Korn and Michael Isikoff and other places. You know, you knew that Hillary paid for it. And you also knew by that point, at what point did you know that Christopher Steele hated Trump? Because Christopher Steele was sending you messages According to Bruce Orr, and Bruce Orr has said that, yeah, he kept in contact even after he was fired for lying and leaking, and he kept trying to send messages to the special counsel. Well, the dirty Russian dossier that was then used to spy on Americans and a presidential campaign and then a transition and then a presidency. Well, why did you 
not look into that. Why didn't you look into why Obama and Biden did nothing with all the warnings that people like Devin Nunes gave them? We'll continue. All right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour. Mark Meadows, rightly, DOJ exploring unbelievably unusual activity. In the final months of the Obama administration, really the last year, because you had a 350% increase in unmasking requests, um, unprecedented. That, that We're now using the powerful tools of intelligence to target political opponents, but shouldn't surprise us, the same Obama administration that Biden claims is so scandal-free, uh, Benghazi, uh, you, know, you know, fast and furious, those scandals and many, many more, you know, why would they, why would they do that 350% increase? Who knew what, when and where that's going to be it. You know, I, I, I know that the, the conspiracy theorists and the shift lovers and, you know, the crazy Nadlers, did you see Jeff, Jerry Nadler insult not because he just purposely go out of his way, gratuitously attacking a young woman, Miss Lewandowski. My name is Miss Hoax, Miss Lewandowski. Does he think he's funny? I mean, if a Republican treated a woman like that on the committee and then they're taking these. It, it, I think Devin Nunes is right. It's like they're perverted here. Um, so I'm not alone, by the way, in predicting that Nadler and Schiff are soon going to be sorry that they're now getting into, um, getting into all of this. Uh, and, and the funny thing is there is evidence of Russia collusion. I don't know which is my favorite funniest tape of all time. One is Alec Baldwin. Uh, and him trying to be a radio host and then walking out with me and Mark Levin call in or the one where he can't get a phone call for the entire show. Uh, 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 and, uh, do we have any calls, Ivan? Um, when we come back, uh, uh, do a vote. Oh, we have some time. Oh, great. Well, we're going to, uh, when can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever we want. Do we, do we, do we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No calls, no yet. calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air? I mean, do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting. At uh, uh, 1210 at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any other comments you have, call us um, to the... Uh, what else? Uh, call us, please, at uh, 215-1210. Now, um, if you don't mm -hmm. call, we're going to keep reading from the Scientology manual. <laughs> you might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not feel uh, the swell of what's happening here. <laughs> Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. <laughs> Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec I mean, it was greatest Those are the big questions tonight here. So here uh, the biggest liar, one of the biggest liars, Nato's right up there with Schiff. And by the way, they know none of this happened. This is just, this is a political game for them. This is who they are. This is what they do. This is, this is what they're obsessed with. Democratic Party can't stop hating Donald Trump. Now, maybe they've convinced themselves. I'm not sure how crazy, angry, rage-filled minds work. I'm not a person full of rage. I'm not a person full of hate. 
I'm not a person that, you know, wakes up every morning hating any one person. But they do. And maybe they think that we're dumb. We're the irredeemable deplorables. We're the smelly Walmart people. We're the ones that cling to our God, our guns, our Bibles, our religion. But you would think when you have a nine-month straight investigation and the people in the forefront of it, well, one of them is Peter Strzok. There's no there there. If I thought there was, I'd pursue it. And then Lisa Page. Now, we found nothing after nine months investigating with the FBI. You think that maybe you'd say, okay, well, well why are we going to continue this? Or you think that the House Intelligence Community, by the way, the same guy leading it at the time, Devin Nunes, who warned everybody that Russia would try to influence and create chaos in our elections. That's who Putin is. He's a bad actor. That's a hostile regime to the United States of America. By the way, we could bring them to their knees with energy independence, just like the Iranians. Iranians are in deep trouble because of the Trump sanctions. And, yeah, the president will obliterate them if he needs to. Let's stay tuned. Let's see what happens. Over the weekend, the computers of the Iranian military, yeah, they're experiencing a lot of difficulty. wonder how that happened. And, but anyway, but, you know, and then you think of the hypocrisy of it all. You know, I don't know if the, if Alec Baldwin being a radio host is my favorite tape or this idiot liar, conspiracy theorist. He's just a fraud. That's why, listen, I have my own dossiers. I have a dossier on Nadler and I have a dossier on Schiff. And my dossiers were not put together by a foreign agent. My dossiers weren't funneled it was weren't I didn't have to spend funneled money and hide it and clean it. It's called laundering, and then hire a op research firm to hire a foreign national, which I thought was wrong in the first place. I just take Nadler's words and I take Schiff's words, and I there's so much evidence, so much evidence, and there's no evidence. And the third investigation shows the same thing: the the bipartisan Senate committee. Then we have the Mueller report, crystal clear, no collusion. So now they want a fifth do-over. It's not. This is why the cooperation issue is a non-issue. This is now the harassment of a president of the United States. This is now pure politics, pure politics of rage. And now they're abusing their power. And this is not about any oversight because we already have four straight consistent answers and there is no new evidence. And then you bring in people that have testified repeatedly, either before committees or before the Mueller people. And now you want to ask them the same questions and they got to pay for new lawyers. Well, that's abusive to them, too. And the funny thing in all of this, it's about getting dirt. Right. What was what was, what was this all about that they think that the, the Trump campaign wanted to get dirt from the Russians about Hillary Clinton so they can use it in an election? And there's the cowardly Schiff himself. Why didn't everyone else? You know why? I, I see Roswell, you know, aliens uh, exist among us. Rachel Maddow. You know, with her conspiracy, she has Adam Schiff on last night. Why doesn't she play this tape for Schiff? Well, I guess they're in the same boat. They're both, they all lie. They all have advanced conspiracy theories for two years. And 
a hoax for two years. They've misformed the American people on purpose because there never was any evidence of such. And now their dreams are shattered. You think they would do the right thing, reevaluate, reassess, maybe make a correction, maybe apologize, and then maybe commit themselves to actually more truth gathering in life. That's never going to happen. But Adam Schiff, he thinks he's on with a Russian in this call. Listen. Okay, and so Buseva met with Trump uh, in in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes. pageant. Absolutely, and she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay, and, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the, the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and, uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting. So uh, Donald Trump met with Sobuseva? Uh, after the pageant in 2013, yeah, Donald Trump met with Tobusova after 2013. Uh, and there's compromising materials? Yeah, uh, Yes, but of course, compromising materials. We got that. What is the nature of it? Well, no, the nature of the compromising material would be a picture of naked Trump, naked Trump pictures. Did Vladimir see it? Yeah, but of course, Vladimir Siri, the pick of, of Sobusova provide to Vladimir Putin. Yes, of course. Oh, it sounds like he's trying to gather up information for the purpose of influencing elections. I'm just telling you, Republicans on the panel are not going to sit back here. Everyone predicts, this is great. Mueller's going to testify. This is awesome. And you know what? Republicans on the two panels, they get their chance to question Mueller, too. What was the basis for the federal surveillance warrants issued on the Trump campaign associates? What about the FISA abuse, FISA fraud abuse? What about FISA uh, warrants being used to spy on a presidential candidate? How is it possible your friend James Comey is the guy that's responsible for, for signing a warrant to allow all this to happen when it's unverifiable and he was warned about such. Why didn't you investigate that? And, you know, Alan Dershowitz said he can't refuse to answer questions about FISA applications. That's not going to happen. You know, the Republicans will be very well prepared. And I'll be honest, I was not impressed with Robert Mueller's nine and a half minute press conference disaster that he pulled back on later. How did he not know that? How did he change a stated position? And, you know, then it's going to go even further into that. What is, you know, why, for example, I'd like to know, 
uh, and grilled Mueller on the key evidence that he destroyed. I'm just telling you, and a Republican's going to ask that question. How is it that struck and page? How is it that their phones were not only not preserved for evidence when he found out that they had an agenda? You know, well, by the way, and then, then McCabe says he fired struck and page. Mueller says he fired struck and page. One of them's lying. And then why would they take those phones? It took the attorney general, the inspector general Horowitz to find those text messages. He allowed Mueller those texts to be destroyed. He had already removed struck and page from the investigation or was it really McCabe? Because of other damning texts that had been discovered on the phones that they used before they joined the Mueller investigation. Well, that would be standard FBI operating procedure when an employee turned in their old phone that the phone would be, you know, wiped clean to be reused by another FBI agent. No, that would not be the way to handle that. They knew that the uh, whoever was in charge of the phone reassignment, they all knew that. So why did Robert Mueller allow the bombshell evidence that he knew might be on those phones to be destroyed? He'd already been notified by Horowitz that the struck page text messages are a massive issue. Those texts were the closest that we have to the smoking gun. Robert Mueller terminated their text messages altogether. As the president said, they're gone. That's illegal. That's a crime. We're going to follow the law here. That's what it is. You know, and you look at how the Washington Times investigators were not able to find any text messages. Why, they sent it back to the manufacturer to get it cleaned. Almost as good as Hillary Clinton. Sidney Powell is suggesting that Mueller withheld evidence, key evidence in the Flynn case. Because when uh, when Michael Flynn appeared before Emmett Smith, the judge in that case, which, by the way, Sidney Powell writes glowing reviews in him because they really did horrible things to Ted Stevens. And he was the judge that found that out, withholding exculpatory evidence in that case. Anyway, Sidney Powell explained to Judge Emmett Smith that given the complexity of the case, the fact that she had not completely even obtained possession of all the relevant documents, she needed a 90-day delay before sentencing. Powell then introduced one minor point with major implications. We'd also like to proceed to get security clearances so that we may fully converse with our client. Then this bombshell, and I do think most of the information I will need to review may be classified. With regards to what Mueller's prosecutors produced, there's other information she added. Judge responded, well, now you've piqued the government's interest. Oh, I bet she did. He's one tough lawyer. Read the book, License to Lie. Lays out the case about his pit bull, Mueller's pit bull. You know, did the special counsel fail to provide Flynn's attorneys all the information related to the case? What about the recent statements of McCabe? Oh, you don't need a lawyer, Michael. General Flynn, no, sir, you don't need one. He knew that they were setting him up. Told him not to have a lawyer. I don't think any judge is going to stand for that in the end. No way. And then, of course, Comey bragging. Oh, I just sent my guy. I said, I'd never do that in the Bush or Obama administration. No, never. And still the FBI didn't think he lied. He had no money left. Had to sell his house. They were threatening to go after his own kids. Unbelievable. I remember, in fact, when our intelligence community came out with their statements saying 
what Russia had done. This was a huge bombshell, and it was, I think, entirely appropriate that the intelligence community come out with that bombshell because of the ways in which, when President Obama spoke to to any issue, really, there was such a large constituency of people who just wanted to say and do the opposite of whatever he wanted to say and do. And so, since it was a technical finding um, with a strong evidentiary basis, when they came out, we expected people from both parties to, to jump up and down and, and be as seized with this as we were within the executive branch. I used to, when I was in the Security Council, talk a lot about how I had just entered upside down land, you know, that what was up was down, what was um, black was white and vice versa. And then little did I know that my own country and my own president would, would in effect, create and inhabit his own upside-down land. One point I'd like to make, Anderson, I don't think has come up very much before, and, and I'm alluding now to uh, the president's criticism of President Obama for all that he did or didn't do uh, before he left office with respect to the Russian meddling. If it weren't for President Obama, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment that we did that set off a whole sequence of events which are unfolding today, notably Special Counsel Mueller's investigation. President Obama is responsible for that, and it was he who tasked us to do that intelligence community assessment uh, in the first place. I think that's an important point when it comes to critiquing President Obama. Former President Obama's ambassador to the United Nations, Samantha Powers, has testified that others made unmasking requests in her name. Trey Gowdy who's, has said that on Fox News. Her testimony is that they may be under my name, but I did not make those requests. If that happened, if people uh, usurped the authority to request unmaskings, would that concern you, Director Clapper? Yeah, it would, because I don't know quite how that would happen, uh, uh, you know, because the only way you can uh, make an unmasking request is if you have authorized access to uh, the report in question in the first place. So I, I don't know how that, quite how that uh, uh, would work. I, I'll also tell you that it was not a requirement that, that people who asked for unmaskings go through me for approval. Uh, the approving authority would be the originate, uh, original collecting agency, which normally would be uh, NSA. Breaking news now. Here's Sean Hannity. All right, we have more huge developments as it relates to the deep state abuse of power corruption scandal ignored by the media. First, let me uh, say what Samantha Power said and James Clapper said that you just heard there is totally, completely dishonest. Uh, in as much as all of the things they're talking about involving Russia, it all happened on their watch. And we know that the former House Intelligence Community uh, Chairman, Devin Nunes, warned them. And he warned them repeatedly. He warned them behind the scenes. He warned them in the Washington Times early 2014 that the Russians had planned all of this chaos creation around the 2016 election. They did nothing. And then, of course, they ignored Hillary Clinton's dirty, bought and paid for Russian dossier by a foreign agent, which we now know was full of Russian misinformation uh, and lies and used to influence the American people before the election. It was was spread by members in the intelligence community and then later uses the bulk of information as it is uh, as as, quote, something that was verified when it never could be verified. It was false, not even steal himself stands behind it for a FISA application to spy on the Trump campaign, the Trump transition and the Trump presidency. Now, we told you about the big story from our friends over at the American Center for Law and Justice earlier in the week. 
and that is Executive Order 12333. Why was there this feeding frenzy, an absolute frenzy to get 17 agencies access to the type of intelligence that for the prior eight years, in their years, in the Obama years, that only three agencies would have access for. Well, I think there's obvious reasons for that. Now we have some very interesting new information about ex-UN Ambassador Samantha Power. Thanks again to our friends at the American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, What we're finding are documents that have been unearthed by them, and apparently Samantha Power... Now, think about this. Samantha Power, U.N. ambassador. And this goes back like the executive order 12333. We were talking about it in 2017. Anyway, the uh, now we know that she was involved in this unmasking and literally uh, up to her eyeballs. We had a 350 percent increase in unmasking after Trump stunned the world to win the election. You know, Powers and those emailing her were. I am discouraged. I am frightened. Electing a right-wing president is something, but such a morally repugnant bully. Read a November 2016 email to Power that had the name of the sender redacted by the State Department. That email also referred to Steve Bannon as an avowed racist and predicting the worst is coming. And by the way, no evidence uh, in the released documents that Power responded or whatever or chastised. But There is ample evidence that she engaged in a lot of Trump bashing. Why would there be a 350% increase in unmasking by the U.N. ambassador? Jay Sekulow is the chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, counsel to the president as well. All right, tell us what you found in these emails. Well, what I found was, you know, sheer political panic uh, evidenced in Samantha Power's emails uh, showing that, again, the fix was in against the incoming administration even before the 45th president was sworn in. To office, and, and I say that we filed again. These were lawsuits that you file under the Freedom of Information Act. You go to court, and then you get documents released. We were finally getting documents and able to go through these documents. And you have this. So Samantha Powers, who was a UN ambassador, why she was even involved in unmasking is a is a real question. But you got hundreds of uh, unmasking. About 300 in her case alone, but a 350% increase in 2016, and that raises very troubling questions. Yeah, sure. And, and then you see, so you have this going. Remember a context here. We're, we're now able to put context into this. You, you mentioned uh, the information we got the other day uh, regarding 12, Executive Order 12333. So we, we know that comes in shortly after this email exchange that we've now got access to. We know about crossfire hurricanes starting in 2016. So all of this is in play, culminating in a new president being sworn in. So what do they say? Well, one of the ideas is she needs maximum amplification for her message. Okay, what's her message is that we need to move out on 60 minutes to seek uh, maximum identification. And then to the producer of 60 Minutes, she writes, we're still reeling, as you might imagine. Notwithstanding this, Tuesday's results have given us even a greater sense of urgency to get our work done in the last few months. Seventy good long days left. So rather than coordinating with an incoming administration, which is the normal practice in the United States, you have this, you know, like I say, political panic setting in where they're trying to not only undo uh, what the the incoming administration may, may put in place, but really kind of sabotaging that before it even starts. And you, you go to this, again, another one from Samantha Powers. This is to the director of policy planning at the Department of State. She writes, Lord, help us all. How are you holding up? And below, and that she talks about an article, is just one of the many grim things 
we have to look forward to. And this is, again, in reference to uh, statements that the president-elect was then making. So, look, they're entitled to their opinion. What you've got, though, is an intentional act, what I think is culminating ultimately within 12333. So I think it all ties into that, where they you know, get in this whole intelligence sharing. But it just shows you the nature of the bias here. It was, you know, in the United States, you win elections, you lose elections. And that's it. And then you have an incoming administration. You, the, here it is, the vitriol that... But there's a reason. Up. We now know certain things happen. Sure. We know they rigged Hillary's investigation. She wouldn't have been a candidate if they didn't rig it and save her. Because the evidence is so overwhelming, so incontrovertible... You know, when I have my friend Alan Dershowitz on, I'm like, you can't even defend your friends, the Clintons. If I did this, you know, you couldn't get me out of jail. Um, but what's so what's so interesting is now that we look at these things in retrospect and now that we know that spying, real spying, not only abroad, but through the use of a phony Russian disinformation Hillary Clinton bought and paid for dossier that. The author doesn't stand by, but, you know, they spied internally on the Trump campaign, the transition. They spied on the presidency of Donald Trump from very early on. And now, you know, we have Executive Order 1233 and we see the urgency by which they were trying to get this passed in the final days. That tells me that they knew at that point that there was a paper trail and that they were in trouble. Well, I think that's absolutely correct. And then you've got the, the John Brennan bite where he said if it wasn't for the actions President Obama took... This is very important. You would not have had the appointment of a special counsel. I mean, think about that for a moment, what Brennan actually said. If it wasn't for the actions put in place by President Obama, you would not have had an appointment of a special counsel. That is a very dramatic statement. And then we know all of these other issues now all coming to light, all coming into focus as to what was actually at play here and actually what was going on. All right, we'll take a break. More with Jay Sekulow, Chief Counsel, American Center for Law and Justice, Counsel to the President. All right, as we continue, Jay Sekulow, these new documents of his FOIA request, he's the Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice and Counsel to the President. We're yeah. waiting for the Inspector General report on FISA yeah. abuse, but I assume, again, I'm assuming here, I, yeah. that he probably is done with the report, with the exception of now Durham, who's doing his own separate and investigation on behalf of the attorney general is doing his investigation into all of these things that I have on this program talked about for two years. And so I I assume the Christopher Steele interview is going to be very similar to that, which he said in an interrogatory. He had no idea of anything in his dossier was true, but yet he was pushing it. And everybody that used it as the bulk of right. information for the FISA application, they were all warned repeatedly. Kathleen Kavlek warned them. Uh, we know Bruce Orr warned, warned them and others. But yet they used Russian lies anyway, and they couldn't verify it, but they swore that they did verify it. That sounds right. like a premeditated fraud committed on the FISA court for the purpose of spying on a presidential campaign to influence an election and then undo an election. Well, if I was Judge Contreras, who was the FISA court judge, I would not be very happy about this. But take it a step further, Sean, and look at the, and, and I think this is, again, part of it. You've now got Clapper and Brennan basically saying this. We told James Comey not to use the dossier for FISA as part of the FISA application. When you've got Comey saying, I did this because the intelligence community, including Clapper and Brennan, said to use it. So someone's not telling the truth. So it's Well, either- if you notice what's happened here. Look, look at Strzok and Page. They now have pointed directly in terms of rigging Hillary's investigation 
to Loretta Lynch. That's number one. Then you, you're right. You got this battle, this intramural battle between Comey and then Brennan and Clapper. Uh, then you've got, you know, Comey versus McCabe. And then you've got, you know, there's now a circular firing squad. And I've got to imagine that behind closed doors, a lot of these guys are all turning on each other. What, is, what are the crimes we're looking at, and how are they going to be held accountable? Well, first of all, this is what you've got a, a, a U.S. attorney that's evaluating all of this. And they look at this for, through the prism of uh, both criminal justice, in other words, criminal codes, the, 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 the sanctions of the criminal codes, leaking classified information, sharing information inappropriately, uh, of course, obstruction of justice, of course, things like perjury, false statements on an application for a FISA warrant, all of that got criminal connotations. What Durham is doing is doing what's basically a deep dive, and that is he's getting to the bottom of what was, because the, the one thing we still, you know, Sean, don't have the 100% on is what really was the start of this? Who said go? Now, the way it sounds like from Brennan, it was President Obama. That's based on Brennan's statement. None of this would have happened without President Obama authorizing it. Having said that, we are going to find out exactly who was doing what. And as you're already seeing, you've got witnesses that are cooperating. Christopher Steele is going to be interviewed, and you're going to find out exactly what we knew from the outset of all of this. And what is that? That there was no real basis to move this forward. This was the insurance policy. All right. So let, let, I think this is a very important point that we're now getting to, because I think we're now about to, to hit this all head on. And Americans are going to now see the biggest abuse of power unfold before their eyes. And I guess the biggest, best question is, and nobody seems to want to ask, why would Obama implement and have an urgency with his executive order, 12333, in the final days of his administration, but not adhere to it himself? Why the increase in unmasking? Why no accountability with the FISA abuse? Um, why, when you look at the investigation into Hillary, the exoneration before the investigation and, and everything else that we know about what happened, um, the, the answer to me is we better hold these people accountable because if we don't, that means we have a two tier justice system. There's no equal justice under the law and an effort to rig an election and an effort to destroy a duly elected president will happen again in the future. How do you fix it? Well, you can't allow it. First of all, to fix it, you've got to find out exactly what happened, which you were now getting to the bottom of. Uh, secondly, and as you said, there are a lot of really great people at the FBI and the Department of Justice that do their job protecting Americans every day. This was some really bad actors at very high levels. You know, you talk about, quote, you know, we use the phrase a deep state or, or a conspiracy or, or, or individuals. Here, it's, you didn't have to go so deep. This was like right at the top. What about Mueller then? Because Mueller now is going to testify before two committees. Yep, good. And I know the questions. I've repeated them earlier. What, what questions I want answered. What do you want answered? First question I want to know is when did you know that there was, in fact, no collusion or conspiracy by the Trump campaign with Russia? What was the date of that? When did you make that conclusion? And then, of course, the follow-up question to that is, and why did you allow that to follow forward? Second question I want to ask is what did you do with evidence gathered by former FBI agent Peter Strzok? He was on the case before, when it was Crossfire Hurricane, before the appointment of the special counsel. He was there for several months when Bob Mueller was in. What did you do with that evidence? How was that utilized? Number three, why did you not catalog inventory Strzok's phone when he was terminated? Why did you allow the phone to be wiped clean and be reissued um, without, again, getting the evidence? Then I want to know, do you really believe question. it's the job of the prosecutor to exonerate? Did you huh. not conflate the prosecution's burden of proof? That's what I want to know. 
That's just the beginning, too. All right, Jay Sekulow, great work. Uh, We'll have more. We'll dig down deeper tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Jay Sekulow, Chief Counsel, American Center for Law and Justice. You know, I made the deal with Mexico only because of tariffs. Look, yes. we've been trying for 45 years to make a deal, including me, for the last year. And I could get nowhere. When the tariffs were, I was ready to put them in. They were supposed to start on Monday. We've, we made the deal in one day that they couldn't make, people couldn't make it in 45 years. Now, when tariffs go on, we took, in China, so we're taking in billions and billions of dollars. We never took in 10 cents. Now, you have another $325 billion that I haven't taxed yet. It's ripe for taxing, for putting tariffs on. This never happened to China. Now, what is happening is people are moving out of China. Companies are moving out of China. By the way, some are coming back to the United States because they don't want to pay the tariff, et cetera, et cetera. But it's been an incredible thing. Am I happy now? Absolutely. Now, I would do additional tariffs by a very substantial additional tariffs if that doesn't work, if we don't make a deal. So when you say, are we going to make a deal? It's possible we're going to make a deal, but I'm also very happy where we are now. We're taking in a fortune, and frankly, not a good thing for China, but it's a very good thing for us. Since the election, we have created 6 million new jobs. Nobody thought that would be possible. They said it wouldn't be possible. We have lifted more than 6 million Americans off of food stamps, and we're getting off of welfare and back into the workforce, and they're so happy. They are so happy. The unemployment rate is the lowest rate it's been in over 51 years. Think of that. And as I said before about African-American, I now say also about Hispanic American and Asian American unemployment have reached the lowest rates in the history of our country, unemployment. And African American poverty has also reached by far the lowest rate in history. These are incredible numbers. And today, right now as we speak, Almost 160 million people are working. That's more than ever before. It's the first time ever. The number of people is almost 160 million, and we're going to be breaking that number soon. (laughs) Women filled 60% of the new jobs created last year, and women's unemployment is now the lowest it's been in 74 years. Wages are rising at the fastest rate in many decades. And really what's nice is they're rising the fastest for the lowest income Americans. Isn't that nice? Percentage-wise, the fastest. All right, that was the president in Orlando. Before that, he was on with uh, our friend Maria Bertoromo, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Well, you heard the president, 6 million new jobs in a little over two years, and then you add to that 6 million Americans off of food stamps. We still have a ways to go because we had 13 million additional people on food stamps under Biden-Obama, and Eight million more in in poverty, but we have millions now out of poverty. 
We have the best job market since 1969 after the Biden-Obama economy, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s and worst recovery since the 40s and the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. Uh, a direct contrast. Record low unemployment. Break things down demographically. African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. Now, I know Democrats claim this monopoly of compassion for minorities in America, but their plans, they were the ones disproportionately negatively impacted by their poor policies. And what would ever happen to everyone, God forbid, if uh, this new Green Deal madness and insanity ever came into place, it wouldn't be good for anybody. Now, once again, the president proves simple conservative principles work. The largest tax cut in history results in job creation and a and a, a thriving, growing, prosperous economy and in job creation. Ending burdensome bureaucracy allows us to become energy independent for the first time in 75 years. You add to that. Now, the president continuing with the Dakota Keystone Pipeline and uh, XL Pipeline. And I got to tell you, then opening up Anwar. Well, if you want to raise the standard of living for the forgotten men and women in America, it's all going to be in the energy sector. The Straits of Hormuz are less important now to the United States than they've ever been. You know, where before, if you want the free flow of oil at market prices, the Straits of Hormuz were critical. That means we're not forced into foreign entanglements in the Middle East or the Straits or with Iran. It'll be on our timetable. We don't need their oil. We don't need Middle Eastern oil. As a matter of fact, you see the Saudis in a full panic trying to transition their economy or begin the process of transitioning it because they see the future and the future is an energy independent America. That is, of course, unless the new Green Deal gets put into place. 24 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. Larry Kudlow knows a thing or two about the economy. He's the president's top economic advisor and the head of the National Economic Council. Uh, How are you, sir? I'm great, Sean. Thanks very much. And, And by the way, I don't know if you saw the story this morning in the Washington Times about all these Democratic candidates with their massive tax and spend policies. They want to repeal all the tax cuts. Then they want to forgive all student loans. They want to have universal Medicare, which of course would destroy Medicare. They want to have the Green New Deal. They want to pay for people who don't want to work. It's so interesting to me how they embrace this with enthusiasm when in fact those measures would destroy the prosperity cycle we are now in. Nobody takes account of this. So you want to raise tax rates on productive people, on successful people, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get lower investment, fewer jobs, no new business startups, and the economy will shrink. And this goes one by one by one. And they never give the president credit for doubling the standard deduction, which is a middle-class, lower-middle-class tax cut, and for a significant increase, Sean, in the child uh, 
tax credit, which is also the middle class tax cut. And they want to abolish the entire corporate tax, which, okay, fine. Not only will investments dry up, people from around the world that have been flocking to the U.S. as the hottest economy in the world will leave. They'll just walk away. So we won't get the new factories. We won't get the new cars. We won't get the blue collar workers. There's no sense and sensibility. And they're just trying to make out, well, there's no prosperity out there. We have to come in and rescue it. They will rescue it with these tax and spend plans by creating a new poverty cycle, which would replace the prosperity cycle. What would happen? Now, look, we saw the transition from, you know, you spread the wealth around and redistribution and the failure of Obamacare and, you know, the worst recovery since the the 40s and. You know, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. Okay, and let's say, all right, we see that, then Trump does just the opposite. Trump governs as the conservative he promised he'd govern as. Conservative principles are timeless. It worked for John Kennedy. It worked for Ronald Reagan. You wrote a book about it. Um, mm-hmm. Now the question is, what happens if America was stupid and foolish enough to buy into this new Green Deal madness where everything is free, guaranteed free, including Medicare for all, which would almost take up the entire budget. And but th- we're not going to have any more oil and gas in 10 years and no more combustion engine and no cows and and no airplanes. Tell me what Larry Kudlow thinks would happen under that economic plan. 70 percent top marginal rate for individuals, 90 percent top marginal rate for corporations. And oh, on top of that, a wealth tax and a death tax. Uh, What business would ever invest in the U.S.? It just would be a gigantic prosperity killer. That's all across the board. Um, Investment would dry up. Jobs would dry up. You're right. Foreign people who are investing here, you know, these uh, Japanese and German car companies are moving to the U.S. I don't just mean assembling cars. They'd be making the they'd be making the engines here using American-made car parts. All those jobs would disappear. I love the Green New Deal. So we're going to end fossil fuels in ten or twelve years. So okay, Iran is in charge of American energy policy and the economy. That's what they've been doing, empowering Iran. And I liked your point. So the Iranians can threaten about the Straits of Hormuz, but because we're now producing 12.5 million, 12.5 million barrels per day, Sean, the futures curve in the oil market is down. Price is falling. And even this latest uh, round of hostilities only bumped up uh, gas prices a wee bit because we have so much supply because the president has opened up these markets to all kinds of Have we gotten into Anwar yet? I have not heard an update on it. Or the oil companies moving in? Not yet. They're trying to. Not quite open yet, but it's coming. And, you know, another thing, here's a job creator and an energy creator. We got this executive order. I went down to Texas with POTUS on this, I don't know, a month or two ago. So we're going to open up the permitting process for all manner of oil and gas pipelines and LNG terminals and LNG refineries. This stuff's not we we got to start decades. building it because do you agree with me? Because I partnered with some of these oil companies when – you know, you had the, the boom in the Balkans and North Dakota. And by the way, I would argue that Middle Eastern countries purposely 
drove the price down to try and drive them out of business. We can't allow that to happen anymore. But with now our understanding of all of the natural gas and oil and resources we have, they were, they were paying drivers, they trained them to drive at least eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year starting pay, all the overtime they can handle. And if you're making a forty, fifty grand a year salary, that's a life changer for you. You know, that would raise that. That would raise the standard of living of every forgotten man and woman that got screwed under a Biden Obama. This is the way to raise the minimum wage. Do it in the private sector through prosperity and job demand and higher wages. That's a story I love. Sure, uh, roustabouts. Pipeline builders, hard hats, these guys are making a hundred to $150,000 a year because of these new energy opportunities, because the president has torn down the regulations. Now, Sean, I think $150,000 a year is a great minimum wage. I'm beating Bernie Sanders. I'm beating the list. They want 15. I say we go to 100. How do we go to 100? We create a vibrant energy industry and we produce uh, several million jobs in that industry. And then look at these other places. The tech companies, some of the banks, Walmart, they're all paying $15 an hour minimum wage. But Sean, it's not because the government mandates it. It's because the private company is succeeding in this prosperity cycle and they can afford to offer this kind of opportunity. Now that's my kind of minimum wage. That's my kind of minimum wage. So my Democratic friends on the other side running for president just kind of miss this, just kind of miss this. And it's too bad. But we need to educate the country. We need to talk about this the way you do, straight up and down with facts and figures to persuade the young people and everybody else that the Trump boom is here to stay as long as we keep these incentives in place. It's not hard. It's just common sense stuff. All right. Uh, thanks, Larry Kudlow, the president's top uh, economic vi- advisor, head of the National uh, Economic Council. Real quick, uh, I'm getting a little pissed off at the Fed, too. Why does Trump have to take every rate hike when they never did it to Obama? You know, the president's been dead right on this. I happen to totally agree with him. By the way, the entire world bond market has yeah, been exactly. telling the Fed to lower their interest rates. And the Fed is a bit stubborn. Uh, I believe they will next month in July. They should have done it in June. Or let me put it to you this way. There was no need for them to hike so much in December, which I think for a little bit held this vibrant economy back. So I'm hoping they'll make up for it. And anyway, Sean, it's free country. President of the United States knows a lot about investment and markets. Why shouldn't he weigh in? There's no law against it. Why shouldn't he weigh in? It's just common sense. All right, uh, Larry Kudlow, thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, we'll check in with Bill O'Reilly at the top of the hour. News Roundup Information Overload. Uh, we got a lot of big breaking news. Jay Sekulow, John Solomon, Trey Gowdy, so much more tonight, 9 Eastern on Hannity. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload in the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. Let's take action and make sure that if Congress doesn't have the courage to pass smart gun safety laws, then we will get the job done. I believe in America where no politician tells a woman what to do with her body. I believe in an America where health care is a right and not a privilege for just those who can afford it. 
believe in an America where children do not have to fear going to school for fear of a mass shooter. Let's recognize that climate disruption is a national security threat. And if we want to talk about national security, let us name and confront the rising tide of violent white nationalism that has claimed lives from Charleston to San Diego. That's national security. And also for that same two cents, we can cancel student loan debt for 95% of the folks who've got it. We are for ending the school to prison pipeline. We are for standing up to make sure that we don't stick our head in the ground on climate change, but this is the nation that leads us out of this crisis. My administration, we gave pre-K, full day pre-K to every child in our city for free. Do you want that, South Carolina? Do you think people need that all over this country? Today in New York, we are guaranteeing health care for everyone who does not have insurance. We will pass a law this year in New York guaranteeing and mandating two weeks paid vacation for every working person. Are you ready for that in South Carolina? We will demand that the wealthy and large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes so that we can make public colleges and universities tuition free and substantially reduce student debt in this country. I want the real thing, ladies and gentlemen, not just superficial things. I want a Department of Children and Youth. I want a massive realignment of investment in the direction of our children under 10. I don't want to just talk about Medicare for all, although we need it. We need to talk about the chemical policies and the environmental policies and the food policies and the agricultural policies that are making us so sick. And I don't just want to talk about race-based policies, because if you just talk about race-based policies, you're leaving open the question of whose fault that is. We need reparations, and we need reparations because reparations do more than pay money. They are spiritual power. They are an inherent mea culpa. They are an acknowledgement of a wrong that has been done, a debt that is owed, and a willingness to pay it. Under my plan, whether you're covered by your employer on your own or not at all, you will be able to buy into an option, a public health care option like Medicare. We can easily afford free community college, cutting in half the cost of four-year colleges for everyone qualified to get in. And further than that, we have to do something and reduce the student debt, which I don't have time to go into now, but we will. I don't have time now, but eventually one day we will go into it and everything's free. There's your bottom line. How long does it take to say that it's free? Because everything that the Democrats are offering is free. 90% top marginal corporate rate. 70% top marginal individual rate then the wealth tax, then Medicare for all, then you get free childhood health care, free... Now they want to indoctrinate our kids pre-K, as if we haven't done a bad enough job with the public education system and the unholy alliance of the Democratic Party and teachers' unions. You know, we spend more per capita per student than any other country, industrialized country, and we're like 37th overall. I mean, you can't waste money more than these people. Medicare for all itself would eat up almost the entire budget. And as many of the candidates, Kamala Harris included, saying, oh, and you don't get to choose your own plan ever. There will be no other option. Government care or no care. Well, that's the whole budget right there. Well, then how are we going to guarantee jobs and vacations and government healthy food? And then get rid of the lifeblood of our economy, oil, gas, 
the combustion engine, cows due to flatulence, and airplanes. Can't wait to see how we're going to make that trip across the pond. You can see us out there. We'll get in our little sailboat, put a little food, water, medicine, supplies, and better hope the uh, waters start don't start getting tough and it could happen or rough, and then we'll see if the tiny ship is going to be tough. All right, that's a insider play. Bill O'Reilly's with us. Uh, author of 15 number one instant bestsellers, Killing Series. He's got a new book coming out in the fall about Donald Trump, the United States of Trump, how he really sees America. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly, you troublemaker, how are you? You see, you got to take that cheap shot right away, right? Troublemaker. What do you mean you that's gotta, cheap? Well, you got to no, throw that in there. That's like the nuns used to do. That's <laughs> like why. the nuns, you're comparing me to the, the nuns hated me. They hated me more than they hated you. No, that was impossible. No, I was that's it. I was incorrigible. <laughs> uh, no, wait a minute. How is that a cheap shot in any other way? You are a troublemaker. I'm a oh, troublemaker. I'm, I'm so misunderstood. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you I, know, now you sound idea. like a sensitive snowflake wallflower, and, you know, I'm going to give you a coloring book and some hot cocoa. I'm holistic here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very concerned about all the things that Elizabeth Warren is concerned about. Oh, yeah. Linda, well, look, after those top rates, then she wants a wealth tax. And sure. when you die, then they want the, the, the gold in your teeth, O'Reilly. And I bet you have a lot of it. Yeah, I do. I'm old. They're falling out. So I'm just propping <laughs> stuff up. Don't um, worry. Medicare for all is coming. You know, um, Americans have to make a decision whether they want to be, uh, whether they want to live under a central government in Washington that controls everything they do. That really is what it comes down to. So, do you like um, options? Do you, the American person, like options? Do you like the fact that you can select a doctor um, in a hospital and you can select what you'd like to eat on a menu? You can select a car you'd like to drive. Do you like all of those things? And I think most people say, yeah, I mean, we do. We like, we like to have a variety of, of things that we can choose from. But if you really strip it away, that's not going to happen under a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren or, or any of the other Pied Piper people that are just saying, follow me, I'll give you everything. Because the government would have to tell you, in a nation of 330 million people, what you can and can't do. If they're going to control all the industries and all the wealth and all the employment, the government is going to have to tell you, this is the job you have, and here's what you do in that job, and we'll pay you this much money, but all the other money will come to us because we're going to give you cradle gave entitlements. Do you want to live that way? If you do, go to Cuba. Uh, you can't go there. Well, you can try Venezuela, or you can try what happened yeah, to the. And you can look and see because that today is how those people live. And then you come back to Americans, and then you choose. Now, that if you just strip it away, you know I'm a simple man, Hannity. I'm, I'm, I'm as simple as it gets. You see, by the way, you're so, you're so complicated. It's so the opposite of what fact and truth and reality is. I thought you were in, I thought you were, this is the no-spin zone. Bill O'Reilly is not simple. Bill O'Reilly is actually kind of complicated. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you're simple in some ways, but you're a pretty complicated guy. You're a but deep I thinker. I break everything down. See, I break it down to what do you want? What do you, the American person living in Tennessee or Idaho, want? 
Do you want the government to tell you what to do every second of the day? If you do, then vote Democrat. Because here's the problem, the though, Bill. Is now. Let's analyze very simply. What is it about socialism that appeals to many people? Security. All right, Fal- that's but but that's question, all right. That's way, a good yeah. answer, actually. It's but it's false security. In other words, everybody sure, I mean, has a natural trading. Well, you're let me explain trading. this because. No. Well, we all have natural fears. Are we going to have a retirement? Am I going to be able to afford right. a house? Am I going to be able to uh, uh, get a decent car, live in a safe neighborhood, uh, have a good job? That's all. That's natural fear. Now, you write history books and I'll let you. You mentioned Cuba. I mentioned Venezuela. We can talk about the former Soviet Union. All of this that they are proposing has been tried and it has failed. And I I urge everyone with all these promises that everything's free and you don't have a worry in the world. How did Obamacare keep your doctor plan and save money work out? Because millions lost their doctors, millions lost their plans, and everybody paid a ton more. They're not going to be able to fulfill this promise. It's a false sense of security for their power. And you're then beholden to them. Let's go back to your original question. Why would people support? Because millions do. You know, we have television networks. We have major newspapers that are supporting the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren uh, wing. So why would they do that? There's two reasons. One, the intellectual intelligentsia that populates the colleges and the ranks of journalism believes that American society is fixed, that the white guys control everything. And therefore, if you are a poor black or Hispanic, if you are gay, if you are a woman, you don't have the same chance as the white guys do. So therefore, we have to wipe out the patriarchy. That's a good word, right? Well, wait a minute. Historically, let's be honest, though. I mean, with the history of slavery and bigotry in this country, I mean, that has been absolutely positively a fact. But the beauty, I think, of our framers and founders is they built this system as, as they, they knew at the time if they, that, that they weren't going to resolve all the problems we had. And slavery, you know, uh, just evil. But they did create a system so brilliantly that over time they predicted and understood that the natural inclination to be good in people would win the day. And they created a system where we can right wrongs, correct injustices. And I would argue it took way too long. We fought a civil war, but then it took way too long for the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. Um, And by the way, Republicans supported Lyndon Johnson, Al Gore's father and you know, the mentor of Hillary Clinton, Robert KKK Byrd, would nowhere to be found. But putting that aside, it is a system as imperfect as people, but it is the best system we have. And we have shown that we do correct wrongs and injustices. The wrongs and injustices in American history are along the lines of every other country on the face of the earth, because human beings are flawed. And they're greedy and they're uh, venal and they commit violence and they do all that. But what, the, what we have in this country is opportunity. And right now, in 2019, we lead the world in opportunity. The Democratic Party does not believe that. 
And that's what Americans have to know. They don't believe we lead the league in opportunity or the ability to pursue happiness. Now, when you point out to them that there are hundreds of millions of people who would like to come to the United States because of that opportunity, you get no answer. Why, so great, why, but, uh, would, why would millions right, of people right. risk their lives to come across the southern border if they're going to enter a white supremacist nation? Hey, Bill, why, we are not. Why would anybody we, do that? We are. We, we have. There's never been. I'll quote Barry Farber again. A country that has accumulated more power, abused it less. And I add, there's never been a country in the history of mankind that has created more power, abused it less and has used it. But the advancement of the human condition that the United States has never been a country that has has paid the price for freedom and liberty for everyone around the world, whether some countries want to admit it or not. All right, stay there. Bill O'Reilly, his book on Trump comes out in the fall, BillOReilly.com. You can find it all there. All right, as we continue, Bill O'Reilly is with us. In the fall, he's going to have a brand new book out, certain to be a bestseller, and he spent time interviewing the president on it. Uh, and that is the United States of Trump, how the president really sees America. You can get an early copy on Amazon.com and get it the first week. And uh, you say this is different than any other Trump book, and you're you're characterizing it, if I'm not mistaken, as a history book, a history yeah. of the president up till now. Yeah, um, what I'm going to be able to deliver, and the book is in production now, it's all written and edited, is uh, information that you, even Hannity, doesn't know. Oh, about Donald Trump. Wow. Um, went way back into his family archives, and then I've known him 30 years. I can give you eyewitness reports. When the book comes out, I'm going to be attacked because it's not a hate Trump book. It's not a love Trump book. Well, if you say one, listen, if Trump cures cancer, Bill, they're not going to like him. But No, no, but it's they don't, they being the hate Trump Cadre. And that's going to be on display tonight, by the way, in Miami with the Democratic uh, debate. Oh, by the way, they put a Roswell, uh, Roswell conspiracy theorist Rachel Maddow on the on the panel. Yeah. Uh, by yeah, the way, you, mean, know, you know, we'll do, know we'll do, we'll do, I, we'll do this is interesting. You and I could never do a debate when yeah. we were at Fox together nope. because Al's our boss, Roger Ailes, said, look, you guys are opinion guys. So I got to get the hard news guys in there. Now, I know you didn't like it. I didn't like it. We would have shaken those debates up. All right, Bill, I got to run. BillOReilly.com. And uh, thanks for being with us. And we really appreciate you. Well, you were incorrigible. I mean, it doesn't mean you're then you're a little complicated. A troublemaker. Yeah, thanks. Listen, I was an incorrigible (laughs) child. I got in in more trouble than you did. Trust me. We'll discuss that sometime. I can top you. All right, maybe we'll do that next week. Bill O'Reilly, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. When we get back, wide open telephones. It's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. If you don't want, if you do, if you want to be a part of the program, uh, 25 to the top of the hour. Did you see, now we've been covering all of the homelessness that's going on in San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's, It's so bad. And when you think of the amounts of money that they tax the people of California, it is insanity. And we, for example, we went to San Francisco. Lawrence Jones went there twice for us. Lawrence Jones, you know, mapped it out. It's about a 
less than a mile to Nancy Pelosi's home in one direction. And in the other direction, it's about a less than a mile to Nancy Pelosi's office. And in between, you ask all these people, well, what, you know, what are the what's going on here? And like needles, needles. We showed pictures of needles. There were there were pictures of feces we we really couldn't show. It was so disgusting. When you have needles and um, blood-stained clothing in the streets, that can't be safe for anyone. I do see like a lot of needles and then you know feces everywhere, and then that's obviously about drugs and stuff like that. Um, kind of makes it a trap when you walk around, you see needles and close to a playground, and just feces everywhere. I mean, the smell of it all—it's kind of. You definitely have to look on the ground when you're walking, and it's been—it's—it's it's definitely an uptick because I've lived in the city more than 30 years, and it, this is probably the worst i've seen it probably the worst i seen it. and then we went to la i mean it's like entire blocks you know it's like 10 cities set up everywhere why aren't they fixing it what are they doing with the 13 and a half percent state income tax oh that's right i forgot they're giving free health care to illegal immigrants and they're saying yo they're a sanctuary state you know, a lot of illegal immigrants that don't want to get deported they're going straight to california because they're going to get free health care in the process by the way, just so you know, because Gavin Newsom hasn't fully announced it yet, but the idea in California is free health care to anybody, citizen, non-citizen. The world can come to California, apparently, and get free health care. So let's say you don't have good health care or maybe you don't have health insurance and you get sick. My advice, go visit California, head to an emergency room. Gavin Newsom will pay for it. And just write, they're going to say, okay, what's your, uh, what's your health care card number? And you just say, Gavin Newsom. Let, let the people of California pay for it. And they're wondering why they're losing mass, why the mass exodus out of California is happening, and the mass exodus out of New York is happening, and the mass exodus out of Illinois is happening, and New Jersey is happening. It's really not that hard to figure out. You know, now we have all these cities. Oh, we're going to legalize a gateway drug, marijuana, that's stronger than it's ever been. I still believe all those drugs are gateway drugs. And then we're going to legalize the hallucinogen, what, mushrooms, but they're focused on e-cigarettes. Like, <laughs> there's no littering with an e-cigarette. You take an e-cigarette, you put a new cartridge in. That's it. Unbelievable. But you can't, you, it's not like you're putting needles everywhere. Um, so that's happening. And California community colleges don't want homeless students sleeping on campus. That's now a big issue. By the way, did you hear, Linda, what happened to Eric Trump? Anyway, he, he said an employee at some upscale Chicago cocktail bar spit in his face Tuesday night, an incident that he believed was politically motivated. It was purely a disgusting act by somebody who clearly has emotional problems. And he said, for a party that preaches tolerance, this once again demonstrates that they have little civility. And he added, apparently, assuming the employee was a Democrat, when somebody is sick enough to resort to spitting on someone, it just emphasizes a sickness and a desperation and the fact that uh, we're winning. Did you hear about that? You know, Sean, I teach, yes, my, son nice, a, I, I teach my son a very valuable lesson on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's called use your words. Use your use words. Your, use your words. Use your words. Be polite. And the the issue with the party of the left right now is that the only way that they are tolerant is if you agree with them. If you are not a part of the group, think you need to get out of the way because there's only one thing they want. They want everything for free. And while they're getting everything for free, which nothing is free, 
This is the thing that they don't understand. When you disagree with them, they're going to do what they did to Sarah Sanders down at the Red Hen in Virginia. They're going to spit in Eric Trump's face because he's having a cocktail with somebody at a restaurant. You know, if this had happened to Michelle Obama or her kids or the president himself or Joe Biden, forget about it. We would be up in arms. But because it's a Trump, it's expected, it's tolerated, it's encouraged. You got late night TV hosts, their entire mantra is all about hurting Trump and his family. It's sick. It's very sick. Yeah, well, Discourse I, is I over. I dream an awful lot of blowing up the White House. I mean, we've had this from day one. And the rage, psychosis, sickness, it is, it is a real disease and a madness that has consumed them. And, you know, look at what they hey, did. Hey, Sean, to I got to interrupt you for a minute. Kylie has just made me aware that spitting well, on someone is uh, assault. Oh, it is an assault. Absolutely. So we is. have to file charges. I think he should file charges. And you Absolutely. know what? I feel like it's a hate. It's a hate act, too. Think about this. All right. Let's go back to Nicholas Sandman. Now, we need to get an update, by the way, from Lynn Wood. I know he sued the fake news CNN. I think they got a $275 million lawsuit. And I know he sued Bezos and, and the Washington Post. Uh, then he did announce a third suit was against NBC, fake news, conspiracy TV, MSNBC. I think that was around $250 million. He's going to get, he's going to win, but that's not my point. It's your point. And that is that they see a kid with a make America great again hat. And that hat is such a trigger that it takes the media in this country. They snap and they rush to judgment. And they assume the worst. They saw maybe 10 seconds of it. This kid got in this Native American's face. And they never made a phone call. They never did any type of fact checking. Sean, do you remember back and wait, wait, in... And then the kid turns out with a kid. He's 16 years old. He's being called every name in the book by this book. But what do you call it? The Black Israelites. And... You know, and he's telling his own group of students, stay calm, don't respond. Stay calm, don't respond. Then Nathan Phillips comes walking up, beating the drum as close to his face as he can get it. He didn't walk up to him, and he just tries to smile, what had to be a very uncomfortable situation with this kid. And the media then spends how many, almost a week. And even after the evidence debunked all this, they kept going with this lie. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I know Lynn Wood the attorney for Nicholas Sandman. Lynn Wood is going to get tens and hundreds of millions of dollars from these fake news organizations. Now, they're probably, in the end, all going to want to settle with a non-disclosure agreement of some kind. But they're going to pay through the nose. And that kid deserves every single solitary penny that he's going to end up getting. Lynn Wood will destroy them in court. They've destroyed themselves in court. The difference here is they picked on an innocent 16-year-old kid. They, like, they can say anything they want about Sean Hannity. They can't say anything they want about an anonymous 16-year-old kid that didn't do a thing. And that is where they made their mistake. But, but that's how sick it's gotten. That's how sick they are. All right, I got to roll. Uh, hang on, let's get to our phones. What do you mean you got to roll? You're talking to me. I'm right oh, here. I oh, want to really? add one more thing. You go right ahead. All right, thank you. Very so, pushy today. And listen, you know, I'm in that kind of mood today. You might, you okay. might want to be careful. You know, you think you're a ninja, but I got on high heels. So, Eric Trump actually had the option to press charges. They had the, was a waitress? It was a waitress. 
uh, server, and she uh, and he and he didn't press charges against her. He took the high road. He did. I know he did. Can you believe that? Yeah, he's a nice guy. I know Eric. I would have locked a, the road. Eric and Laura are the nicest people. I would have locked and, the road. By the way, they're about to have another baby, which is awesome. All right, I'm going to tell you experience. I don't think I talked about this ever on the air. If I did, I don't remember ever talking about it. And you know what? I'm not going to mention where I was eating, but it was a steakhouse. I was in Naples, Florida, southwest Florida, and Neil Bortz lives there. And we went out to dinner, and, and, and the dinner was great. And some idiot, after I leave, posts that he did certain things to my food involving, let's say, bodily functions. Posted it, bragged about it. I just did this to Sean Hannity, who was in this restaurant, blah, 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 blah. Now, in the end, I could have pressed charges. In the end, I could have done a lot of things. Um, I didn't do it. The person did get fired, but that was more the company than me, which was frankly the right decision. Do you think I made a mistake? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would have locked them up. Lock them lock up. Lock them up. Yeah. Wow. I think, well, let me tell you something. I was a server for many years, as were you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, when people go out to eat, wherever it is, whether it's a diner, a high-scale restaurant, whatever it is, you have to treat people with respect. And even when the customer is incredibly rude or nasty to you, you always take the high road. You mm-hmm. always try to maintain because that's your job. You're doing a job. You're supposed to do it to the best of your ability. And when people decide to ruin your experience because they cannot put their own emotional BS to the side, that's a problem. They need to be fired. They need to be reprimanded. And they need to never work again in that business anyway. Look, it was horrible. Um, you know, I don't know what to say. I, I, well, I'll tell you what to say. Lock them up. Well, I got it, and maybe I should have. The person denied actually doing it, but you oh, know, there's no yeah, way. Sure. There's no way to know. I don't. I believe they probably did, and it was so disgusting. I'm telling you, man. I worked in a kitchen when I was in college, and mm-hmm. part of our job was to make food and stuff. And I worked with somebody there who had an attitude problem, and I reported her to the to the owner of the restaurant. I said, listen, I'm telling you right now, you know, I'll call her Jenny. Jenny over there, she likes to, uh, you know, spit in people's milk- milkshakes if they're not nice to her, you know, or their beer or whatever. It was, like, wasn't it Reverend Jesse Jackson once admitted to spitting in someone's food? I don't know about that. Google that quick, Ethan. Yep, We'll get that on. But I'm pretty sure he admitted to that years ago. And look, people do hard. I don't know what the point of that is. Anyway, I, I, you know. It's it's just sad. People are really, you know, I can accept that anybody has different political viewpoints than I. I just can't accept the lying, the outright conspiracy theories. And at this point now that you're so triggered by a hat put on a 16-year-old kid's head and every single news media organization did the same thing. They never made one phone call. So it says Life magazine wrote an article in November of 1969 and supposedly Jesse Jackson spit into, quote unquote, Whitey's food and has Mm -hmm. never apologized. Well, I mean, look, he did once say Jaime's and Jaime Town. And we know some of the outrageous things that um, Al Sharpton has said. We got we Jason, you have that Al Sharpton. 
highlight reel. Hold on, you know, I'm going to give you one more Al piece. Al Sharpton, by the way, was, uh, you know, mad at Joe Biden talking to a segregationist. Go ahead. I'm tired of the American beat. You ain't nothing. You're a punk f- Now come on, do something. David, David. Yes. yes. You want to be the only on television. The only in the newspaper. The only can talk. Don't cover them. Don't talk to them. Because you got the only little problem. Because you know if a black man stood up next to you, they would see you for the hall that you really are. We learned to admire them, but they knew to admire us. We built pyramids where Donald Trump ever knew what architecture was. We taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates and them Greek ever got around. White Interlope, I said I was wrong. Uh, uh, Cracker, though I think Cracker is a certain personification of a certain type of person down south, just like Redneck. I mean, you know, some people misinterpret Cracker meaning all whites is not true, but the confusion means you shouldn't use it. I mean, sometimes being flippant, you say things you shouldn't say because it gets in the way of your message and people don't really understand what you're saying. What were you going to add about Jesse Jackson? I was just going to say, I found the full quote. It's from Life Magazine, November 29, 1969. Yeah. One, he uh, told of his days as a waiter at the Jack Tar Hotel in his hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. Just before leaving the kitchen, he would spit into the food of white patrons. He hated it and then smilingly serve it to them. He did this, he said, because it gave me psych- psychological gratification. It was watching. It was somebody, something everybody in the audience understood. I'm like, really? Pretty I never heard sick. of it before you said that. I'll tell you that. All right, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. But we have big breaking news. We told you about Executive Order 12333 and the frenzy to get that done before the end of the Obama administration. Now we're getting insight as to the unmasking scandal, a 350% increase. And why would any U.N. ambassador need to ever do that? Solomon, Seculo, Lawrence doing a man on the street, Mark Penn, and much more. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern Fox. We'll see you tonight back here tomorrow.